A boom, shake the room, Fire Nation. JLD here, and welcome to episode 2011 of Entrepreneurs on Fire. And today's audio masterclass is From Zero to Four Million with Physical Product Licensing. I brought my main man, Paul Miller, on because he is an expert on this topic and he drops value bombs on taking your physical product and creating licensing around it. So let me just tell you something. I knew all about physical products, but I didn't know about this wide world of licensing. And I learned so much. As you can tell, I ask a ton of questions because I'm super curious. I think it's a phenomenal idea for people in specific situations. So definitely listen and see if this is for you. And who is Paul? Well, he's a sought after business expert and he helps e-commerce businesses and entrepreneurs grow their revenue exponentially through licensing. He began his private label business back in 2015. And in less than three years, he grew his business from zero to four million dollars. In 2016, he received advice from a friend to pursue licensing for his own products. And after a deep dive into the world of licensing and surrounding himself with a team of experts, he has executed multiple license agreements as both a licensee and licensor. And let me tell you, Nickelodeon is one of those. So hold on to those afterburners, Fire Nation, and away we go. So Paul, say what's up to Fire Nation and share one thing about yourself that we'll find unique and interesting. Hello, Fire Nation. <laughs> I am just so honored to be here. The unique and interesting thing about me is I happen to be an active duty Marine for 11 years and I served as a drill instructor at Paris Island, South Carolina. Whoa. Well, I can tell you, I find that very interesting because uh, when I was stationed in Iraq, we were under first Mar Div. So I got to serve with a few drill instructors and I will have to say I, I admired them all, Paul. And thank you for your service, John. <laughs> Back at you, brother. So Fire Nation, we have an audio masterclass for the ages today. It is from zero to four million with physical product licensing. So I know a lot of you have been interested about physical products, especially when you've seen the success of the Freedom Journal and the Mastery Journal, and now we're launching the Podcast Journal. So we've had a lot of success with physical products, but what I like about Paul is he's kind of taken things to the next level with physical product licensing. So I can tell you, I'm going to be taking notes during this audio masterclass. And I'm really excited to see how you can do physical product licensing in the entrepreneurial world and really create that dream life that we all want. So, Paul, first and foremost, let's just break it down for me, for Fire Nation. What exactly is licensing? Well, John, it is really an amazing opportunity for physical uh, product owners. But licensing is basically when one party basically rents someone else's intellectual property or IP uh, to use on their own product. So that's the license, you have a licensee and a licensor. So give me a hardcore example. Like give me an example of what it looks like when somebody rents that for some from somebody else. Like what does it look like with a real example? All right, have you ever used a George Foreman grill, John? I have actually. Well, there's a perfect example. Believe it or not, George does not make his own grills. Wait, he didn't come up with that idea. He didn't make that. Wait, come on. What's happening here? <laughs> I can't say whether he came up with the idea or not, but I'm pretty sure that he's not physically manufacturing those grills. So the grill maker themselves have licensed the uh, 
the rights to use the George Foreman name and likeness and all that and to put that onto the property and to market it as the George Foreman Grill. That's a very simple example. Another simple example might be if you've got an umbrella, an NFL umbrella in your closet. You know, NFL does not manufacture umbrellas, but that umbrella manufacturer does license the rights to use those NFL teams on the umbrella. So let me just kind of maybe take a step in the dark here. And George, if I'm wrong, you can come on the show and defend yourself. But I'm guessing that George wasn't sitting around one day and said, you know, how can I make a better grill? I'm guessing that, you know, he has a big name. He's out there looking for opportunities. And somebody said, well, hey, you can represent a product or, hey, here's a product, a grill that we will actually name after you if you be if you are our authority figure, our influencer. And then they took that to the next level. And of course, he is the face and the name of that. So Fire Nation, you can think of a lot of different opportunities, probably a lot of things that you own where this is actually taking place. Now, let's talk about you specifically, Paul. How has licensing taken your business to the next level? Well, it's been actually uh, just amazing. I started as an Amazon seller about three years ago in uh, 2015 with zero, and uh, I came up with a fairly simple kind of generic product. They are sleep headphones. My brand is called Cozy Phones, and you can look it up at CozyPhones.com and see some examples of licensing there. But my product was uh, a basic sleep headphone. And uh, along the way, we came up with the idea of making these headphones for kids and put uh, little characters on the headphones. So my most popular one, for example, is a unicorn. That idea took off in 2016, and I was looking for a way to grow and protect my brand. So um, I reached out to some friends of mine who um, had some knowledge in the industry and was just asking advice. And uh, one friend of mine named Mark Hirsch uh, suggested that I look into licensing. So I did indeed go to the licensing show in Las Vegas that year, having no clue uh, what licensing was all about and just to uh, spec it out and see what the opportunity was. I came away with that sh from that show with a um, license uh, for just a, a children's book author called The What If Monster. It was a pretty small license, great way to get started. And we make, made our cozy phones with The What If Monster. Now, eventually, that license... I uh, got my feet wet in licensing, and I eventually uh, inked a deal with Nickelodeon. And uh, that has really taken my uh, product to the next level. Okay, so just so I can maybe see if I'm understanding this correctly, you had this hit with this product you were selling on Amazon, the Cozy Phones, and you were basically saying, listen, somebody could just mimic this, copy this, like rip this off and make one cheaper, faster, better, whatever it might be, and then I'm kind of, you know, screwed. Or as we would say in the in the you know military, SOL. It's just it's just a reality of life. Exactly. But so what you did, you took those headphones and you went to a convention and you were looking for a partner, somebody who had a brand or branding that you could use with your cozy headphones. And then you found that partner. You guys t talked about it. You guys made some kind of licensing deal. And then what? You actually put the design um, on the headphones and then branded it and marketed it that way. That is a, a perfect summary of what it was, John. Um, it, so just to emphasize, and you made the great point about, you know, trying as Amazon sellers, you know, we're always kind of trying to one up each other. And, and there is a lot of uh, copycatting that goes out there. You know, some of it can be protected by your own, you know, intellectual property, some not so much. Sometimes people can just design around you. 
But when you have a brand such as Nickelodeon on your headphones and it says Nickelodeon on the package, uh, that's a lot of protection. It also gives you access to that audience who already loves that brand, who, who you know, know, like, and trust that brand. So that's exactly what we did. And let me guess. I mean, now if somebody tries to rip off those headphones and they put Nickelodeon stuff on that, now you have the weight and the might of Nickelodeon going after those people. It's not just little old Paul, you know, who just started his company in 2015 with probably not a ton of expendable capital to like hire lawyers and go after, you know, people in foreign countries. But now you have Nickelodeon who's like, oh, heck no. And they're going to go after them. I mean, is that a possibility? Is that something that really does um, bring some value to the equation? Exactly. You have a, basically an army of attorneys um, backing you up as as the licensee. Now, it's, you know, the license, it depends on the contract who's responsible for enforcing that IP. But as you said, the copycats, the counterfeiters are much like, much more unlikely to try to rip you off when you've got a major brand behind you. Yeah, they just want to go after the ones that are just black or just white or just yellow. Like there's just the straight colors they can quickly and easily copy and mimic and, and just go after, you know, that audience that's more that low hanging fruit. And one thing I, I want to make sure that I share, Fire Nation, is if you don't go that route that Paul's talking about, and you know what he was mentioning earlier as well, is that a lot of Amazon sellers themselves, you know, they try to come up with faster ways to get things to market, cheaper ways to get things to market. What happens? You're in a race to the bottom. And I love this quote by Seth Godin: "Is when you're in a race to the bottom, the problem is you just might win. And who really wants <laughs> to win that race to the bottom where like you're now? What are you shaving your?" sales down so you're making a penny a sale or maybe even go into the negative for a little while just because you want to try to get market share. I mean, that's not a game that really solo and you know small smaller time entrepreneurs want to play. That's a game for Walmart and Amazon to play. That's not a game for us to play. We don't want to be in that race to the bottom. So let's get a little more specific, Paul. Like how did you actually start that conversation with that initial individual at that convention center? Like what did that look like? So I had registered for the licensing expo online and they had a matchmaking service there where you can kind of put a profile of your products and link up with other potential licensors. And I had actually met the woman online, the author of this product, the What If Monster, and we had kicked off a conversation and then followed up with a meeting at the show where we you know, exchanged ideas showed her my products, my sales, and uh, basically agreed to make a cozy phones in the what if monster style. So from that point forward, you had the conversation, you had the relationship, like what is that actual next step? Like what does the reality look like of just having that agreement, having that maybe verbal agreement, but then making an actual reality? First of all, I want to say that a great start to a licensing deal is when you're doing something on a smaller scale. Uh, so this is another individual entrepreneur. So we could easily just talk the two of us without a lot of uh, attorneys involved and kind of spec out the, the terms of the deal. And it, we, we could take a basic boilerplate license agreement and uh, outline the terms of those deals and go from there. So just for kind of kicks and giggles here, I'm kind of curious because you started in 2015, you know, you ended up having this really successful product, which was these sleeping headphones. 
what were some of your early failures that didn't work? Because I want Fire Nation to kind of maybe get a sense that like you don't just start an, on, an Amazon online seller account and the next thing you know, you have a product that's working. You go to a licensing exposition and you find somebody match up and the next thing you know, Nickelodeon is knocking down your door. I mean, obviously that can happen and did happen to you, but what were some of the beginning failures you had and what were those lessons learned? I've had plenty, John, and uh, really the Amazon business in general uh, began from an epic fail. Uh, it, it was a, I was a three-store restaurant franchisee, and basically um, my stores went down in flames in 2015. Not, not real flames, but uh, figurative as, flames. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was on my last uh, restaurant, trying to save my last restaurant. When I discovered the Amazon opportunity, how did you discover that? Well, I discovered that um, through another podcast. Um, I heard an Amazon seller on a podcast, and then ended up uh, signing up to an Amazon course. And I took the uh, Amazing Selling Machine was the course that I took. Cool. And uh, it turned out really, really great. Um, but. Uh, that first year, I definitely did have my troubles. That was going to be a plan B to my restaurant business, but it rapidly turned into a plan A after I could see the power of selling on Amazon. And uh, But uh, I had my listings uh, shut down a couple of times. My first Black Friday, uh, half of my listings were shut down uh, for a competitor complaint. Um, I've had my listings shut down on Prime Day. So we've had our our challenges along the way. What were one of your like early failures product wise? Like, what was the first product that really just went up in flames? <laughs> uh, well, I had I was uh, selling reselling uh, restaurant product. It, they were paper popcorn bags, and uh, we were just repackaging bags from a uh, thousand to a case to a hundred of a case, and we were actually selling twenty a day. It was it was pretty awesome. I was making about three dollars a a package on them, uh, but then the uh, manufacturer decided they didn't want those sell- sold on Amazon, so they put in a uh, infringement complaint and just shut us down overnight. How did you eventually get to the cozy headphones? Like, what was the course of events that led you to that product? Well, John, uh, let's see. You probably have something to do with that because I'm a huge podcast fan and <laughs> huge fan of you know EO Fire. So you would listen to me as you fall asleep at night and be like, "Man, my ears hurt." <laughs> no, that's the great thing about cozy phones is that they're a soft headband with real thin speakers in there. And you know, I was having a lot of trouble sleeping at night when I was having all that trouble with my restaurant right. business. So I had used a competitor's brand for years. But uh, they were broken. And so when I was looking around for an Amazon product, I came across something similar. I said, wow, the, I, I love this product. Um, and, you know, I think I can even make it better. So that's kind of how I, I started with the, with the Cozy Phones. I mean, Fire Nation, it always comes back to you filling a void, to you finding a niche in your own life that's not being filled and saying, I can do this. Because, you know, if you're a customer of one, there's probably two, there's probably four, there's probably eight, 16, 32, 64, fill in the blanks. Like you really have to understand that reality. But now, Paul, we're not going to go all the way down this road, but I am just curious, like once you kind of said, I can make this better, like what were your next steps actually take that thought of I can make this better to reality? I mean, you know, I'm sure you can't make this product by hand. Like you had to find a manufacturer. Did you go to China? Like what was the whole process there? You're right. There was a process. So 
Uh, my first um, try at that was just to order a small batch of the manufacturer's product with the manufacturer's label on it and see if I could make a better listing on Amazon following the principles that I learned. So I did that. That was the first part. Just making a better listing um, uh, went, goes a long way towards you know uh, being successful on Amazon. So I took new photos, you know, wrote new copy. Um, and then sold the manufacturer's version of that product just the way it was. The next order, basically, um, I used my own label, Cozy Phones, and then we or, or used more colors, more styles, styles and colors that I wanted to use, so that weren't already being used on Amazon. Now, where did you actually go to get these colors produced? And not like specific places, but I mean, like, like right. what was that process? So I, I located uh, manufacturers overseas and I communicated with them through Skype and email, uh, drawings, pictures. You get pretty creative with your communication sometimes. Now, do you use a service like Alibaba, Alibaba Express? Like, what have you found? I did find my original manufacturers through Alibaba, and I was really fortunate to make a, a direct contact with the owner of the factory. And eventually, uh, last March, I actually traveled, not this past March, some uh, March a year ago, traveled to China to meet my, with my supplier. Was that a good experience? Oh, it was awesome. <laughs> I loved it. I spent about uh, 10 days in China, uh, went to some other parts of the country to visit, and then visited with my current supplier, and with some other potential new suppliers. I don't don't ever suggest that you, you know, put everything in the hands of one supplier only. Right. So there's one other loop that I really want to close right here. And that's the the gap that really exists right now of you going to this licensing convention center and having this great experience and meeting this author and, and having this relationship built and then big gap and then Nickelodeon is now um, you know, under your wing and making things happen. Fill that gap in for us. How did it happen where you are, you know, working with this one author, one brand, and then now all of a sudden it went to Nickelodeon? How'd that happen? Well, you're right. That's that's a pretty big gap. And it certainly didn't happen overnight. And it took a lot of work to get there. What I could see immediately after um, we did the What If Monster was the power of licensing, the ability to uh, make that product unique and to protect that product and to appeal to that fan base of the what if monster. So it was immediately apparent to me, this is, this is going to be the way to go. So I obviously wanted to take it up a notch and I wanted to look at Disney, Hasbro, Nickelodeon, Marvel, you know, when you start thinking about the possibilities of what you can do and who might you team up with on your product to do a license, it's just amazing. So uh, but I, did, again, didn't really know anything about how to deal with those guys. How do you get to a Disney? How do you get to a Nickelodeon? So I basically went on LinkedIn and searched and searched and found a licensing consultant to work with. And that licensing consultant had connections within the industry. And she was able to, we were able to start discussions together with Disney, Nickelodeon, and Hasbro. And we settled on Disney or settled, settled on Nickelodeon. You know, a little bidding war that never hurt anybody. <laughs> and I will say, Fire Nation, this is where the gold is right here. When Paul just revealed, like, he just went grassroots. You know, he went to LinkedIn. He searched by job title. He found, you know, a licensing expert who had the right connections, you know, who probably had those keywords in their profile as well, like Nickelodeon and Disney and Hasbro. And he started the conversation and he shared what he had and what he did. And the next thing you know... 
he's sitting at the table with the big boy. So don't think that there's these 10 degrees of separation between you and, you know, fill in the blank, Disney, Nickelodeon, whoever it might be in your industry. No, there's probably only one or two degrees of separation. You seem to find that right person. And Paul went and he found that right person, that one degree of separation who connected him to the right people. And of course, he had to have the product and the sales and the quality to back it all up. So he had all those ducks in a row. But guess what? He made it happen on his own. He didn't sit back and just let it come to him because that never would have happened. He went and made it happen. So value bombs being dropped by this Marine drill sergeant. And you better believe more coming up after we get back from thinking our sponsors. Building a team to help me scale and grow my business is one of the best things I've done, but it's not easy to find the right people. Great news, ZipRecruiter can help. ZipRecruiter has changed the game when it comes to finding the right people. First, ZipRecruiter helps you post your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click. Then, ZipRecruiter actively looks for the most qualified candidates and invites them to apply. Finally, they review every application to identify the top candidates so you never miss a great match. No wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter, get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, you can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just visit ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. One more time, to try it for free, visit ZipRecruiter.com com slash fire. With the amazing World Wide Web at your fingertips, you have the opportunity to learn anything you want, anytime you want. And what better place to learn something new or sharpen your existing skills than the largest marketplace for online learning, Udemy. Udemy has an extensive library of over 65,000 courses taught by expert instructors. And unlike other online learning companies that charge hundreds of dollars per class, Udemy courses start at just $11.99. You can learn anything from web development to digital marketing to Japanese cooking on on Udemy. There's something for everyone. And don't worry, each course comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Everyday students around the world choose Udemy to discover new passions, expand their skills, and even change careers. So what are you waiting for? Improve your life through learning. Download the Udemy app to learn anytime, anywhere, or visit www.ude.my fire today. That's www.ude.my fire. So Paul, we are back and there's a lot of challenges for physical product sellers. You're speaking the one right now. I mean, every now and then I look at my Amazon statement and I'm like, they're charging me how much for storage and like to ship my product from my, you know, distributor in LA to the actual Amazon centers and all that goes into that. I mean, there's just a lot of struggles. You know, there's just the profit margins just get, they just get eaten up in a million different ways, a million different ways. So there's so many challenges. But of course, one reason why I like all those challenges personally is because it's a high barrier. If it wasn't a high barrier, then everybody would do it. Why do you think that you don't hear of many people making millions of dollars selling a PDF? Because anybody can copy that PDF and sell it. It's, there's no barrier. So whenever you're complaining next time, Fire Nation, about something being difficult or hard, how about you be thankful for that? Because that's the reason why a million other people aren't doing the exact same thing, because it is hard and they quit and they gave up. So there are tons of challenges to physical products, period. I'm one of them. Paul's one of them. We will tell you that. Absolutely. I'll also tell you right now that that's one of their huge benefits. But Paul, 
What are some of those challenges? Break them down for us. I think expanding your distribution or your sales channels is a big uh, challenge. So, you know, as we talked about before, it's easy to get shut down on Amazon, whether it's something you, you intended to do or didn't intend to do. Amazon has you in their clutches and they control a large part of your business. One of the benefits that we found um, through licensing is that it also can help you to expand your sales channels. So one of the early experiences I had after we uh, signed our deal with Nickelodeon is that they invited me to a little meeting out in Bentonville, Arkansas. And you'll probably, uh, you know, recognize that as the <laughs> home of Walmart. Yeah. Now, little old Paul was not about to get an invitation on his own out to Bentonville, but Nickelodeon likes doing business with Walmart. So they kind of bring us out there and roll out the red carpet. So that's an amazing way to, you know, expand your sales channels. Uh, later on, that that product launch with uh, with Nickelodeon uh, ended up with me meeting a distributor uh, and that distributor uh, was so impressed by our original Cozy Phones lines and the uh, Nickelodeon lines that we signed a global distribution deal. And we're going to be on brick and mortar this year. What? That is insanity. Well, it's a huge congratulations. But hey, let's not forget, we're going to list out some serious challenges right now for physical products. Start listing them out, Paul. Like, what are the problems, struggles, obstacles, challenges of physical products? Inventory is a very big challenge, um, especially when you're growing quickly. And there's all, all kinds of aspects to it. Projecting uh, your inventory needs over time uh, so that you uh, can follow your logistics chain through ordering product, uh, getting it shipped over from wherever the manufacturing is happening, and then landing in your marketplace on time so that you don't go out of stock. The logistics of inventory is is uh, obviously complicated, but funding that inventory when you're growing fast can be extremely difficult. So how do you get over some of these challenges? Well, there are some creative, creative uh, lending opportunities available for you out there. Um, uh, Amazon lending, once you've been um, on Amazon as a seller for a while, you may get an offer from Amazon lending that they'll help you finance your inventory. There's another... Uh, a uh, company called upfund.io where they help to fund Amazon inventory. And then uh, on the logistics side, uh, I use Flexport, which is a freight forwarder. And uh, that has solved a lot of my problems. They're very good with that. Now, how has that solved some of your problems? Like what do they do that really solved your problems? Well, Flexport allows you to quote a shipment um, and then follow that shipment day by day, basically, from your supplier all the way back uh, to the U.S. So you and you've got folks on the ground in China, folks on the ground in the U.S. They also do uh, FBA um, shipment or Amazon prep work so they can handle uh, kind of every piece of that supply chain from the time that it f leaves the factory to the time that it gets to Amazon. Now, what do you think is an ideal profit margin for a physical product? Meaning, how much money do you have to make in every single sale to make it worthwhile in your mind? I think an ideal, 
profit margin, gross profit margin is 40 to 50 percent. Uh, and that's, again, gross profit. So but at the end of the day, hopefully after fees and running your whole operation, um, paying taxes and everything else, um, you're probably down to 20 percent, 25 percent. 20, 25 percent. So kind of maybe if you're not willing to share the exact numbers or close numbers that you have for cozy headphones, walk us through an example of a product, you know, X and what that might look like from, you know, the beginning for what you're getting quoted at manufacturing all the way through to what you're selling on Amazon for to then what your gross margins are then to what your net margins are. I think that if you take a $20 product, um, uh, any, any $20 product, call it an umbrella if you want to, um, you're probably looking at spending uh, 25% or 30% of that as your cost of goods. And that cost of goods is probably going to include um, shipping to the U.S. It depends on whether you want to break it out or, or include it in, in your cost of goods. And so you're going to have a landed price of maybe 30% of your sales price here in the U.S., so you're basically saying you're looking at between four to five dollars all in on this umbrella to get it made in China and shipped to where? Uh, shipped to the U.S. But where in the U.S. is it going to Amazon fulfillment centers or is it going to another distribution center? I like to go to a U.S.-based warehouse or to a freight forwarder, where then I send it in to Amazon from the freight forwarder. Or in my case, uh, when I started, it was my local UPS store. So I would get a call and say, your order's here, and they'd have boxes <laughs> stacked up to the ceiling. I'd load up my minivan, and I'd take them home. I would inspect them. I would prepare them when needed, put Amazon labels on them when needed. And then from there, I would go into Amazon, create a shipping plan, and send them into FBA. Now, does Amazon not have their own freight forwarder? They have something new called uh, Prime Air. But that's not really considered, uh, not the kind of freight, uh, freight forwarding I'm talking about. So what, would that actually pick up your stuff or like load your stuff up in China and ship it and like land right next to an American Amazon center? <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not that familiar with all the details of Prime Air. I haven't used it yet, but I've seen some uh, press releases about it. So they don't have a freight forwarder for Amazon? Not that I'm aware of. Okay, that's definitely coming. So we've talked about some challenges of physical products. In your mind, what are some of the benefits of having physical products? The Amazon business and the e-commerce business is like no uh, no business I've ever seen. The ability to grow and scale the business is absolutely incredible. Here we are uh, only three years since I started starting with zero and a, a really about $5,000 in starting capital. And then, you know, this year we're going to do over $5 million. So that's pretty amazing. That's a pretty big benefit. And is that gross? That's what you're doing? You're doing gross $5 million? Yes, that's, that's gross. And your goal is to net about 20% of that? That's my goal, yes. That would be your goal. So if you, so if you netted a million dollars, you would be happy? I would be very happy. Got it. So let's talk about some types of licenses that are best for physical products. I mean, obviously, your cozy phones are great for physical products as far as licenses. What are some others that you think um, are good? Or how do you identify ones that would be good? I've come up with a couple of examples of, of, of licenses. And you can go around your house any day and look for uh, examples of licensing and come up with ideas 
Um, to give you an example, um, if you go on to Amazon, for example, and you just search for kids play tent, you'll find a lot of generic kids play tent, but then you'll find one that has Disney characters on it. Um, the licensing industry is heavily um, kind of dominated by entertainment brands. So children's products are obviously very popular for for licensing, um, but it doesn't have to be that. Like we already talked about uh, umbrellas, um, sporting goods uh, do very well with licensing, team team related stuff. Anything else? Cooking, housewares. You can basically walk every aisle of the big box store and uh, you can see licensing um, everywhere you go. I'll give you a nice example. Uh, the other day I was outside and one of the neighbor kids was riding his bike. The The tricycle was a Red Rider tricycle. He had a Batman shirt on <laughs> with a Ninja Turtle helmet. <laughs> <laughs> I took a picture of him and put it on my uh, licensing Facebook site. I said, hey, can you, can you identify the three licenses here? So um, <laughs> uh, licenses is everywhere you look. Wow. Just open your eyes, Fire Nation. It is all around you. And... It's really interesting to think that all three of those items, like, you know, they aren't coming from some huge company potentially. They might be, but they might not be. They might be coming from some, you know, Paul Jr. in Des Moines, Iowa, who's supplying those because he saw the opportunity, he made the licensing deals, and now he's making it happen. So unbelievable stuff. Like I have my three-year-old nephew coming into town in a couple of days, and he is so obsessed with Spider-Man. And like looking at him, I'm like, man, like maybe if he's obsessed with Spider-Man to this level that a lot of kids his age are. So what are things for three, four, five-year-olds that I could potentially license and, you know, make a licensing agreement with, you know, whoever owns a licensing brand for Spider-Man and make this worthwhile? Like it can really just get those wheels turning because the sky is the limit. The opportunities are endless. So We've kind of gone through this in, in a couple different ways, Paul, but maybe just really in a succinct way, like really bring it home for us on how we can contact and negotiate a license with a license owner. One of the best ways uh, to begin is to go to the licensing expo. And that usually happens around um, May of each year and to uh, register yourself with uh, Lima, which is a licensing industry merchandising association uh, where you can connect with licensors. Uh, that would be one way. Another way is to engage with a licensing consultant who can get to know your product and match you up with the kind of licensors uh, who would like to you know, carry that product or, or uh, create a partnership with you. Well, let's say it's June. We're not going to wait 11 months for the next May Licensing Expo. So what are the ways we can connect with these um, people you're talking about? What are the best ways? Like you did it on LinkedIn. Like how can we get specific here? There's a directory within Lima. So if you decide to, you know, spend the money for a membership, you can certainly use that directory. Another good way is to network with licensing folks, whether it's uh, uh, in Facebook uh, I have a Facebook group for that. Uh, we also have LinkedIn, as I mentioned, and I have a, a free licensing course you can take at uh, nextlevellicensing.com. Uh, that'll give you the introduction to the course uh, or introduction to licensing and talk about some ways in which you can connect with those folks. What does Lima stand for? 
Licensing Industry Merchandising Association. Boom, Lima. I was thinking Peru, but uh, I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> but no, cool, cool stuff. And Fire Nation, definitely check out the resources that Paul mentioned. We'll have them linked up on the show notes page as well. But Paul, let's end today on fire with you giving us a parting piece of guidance for this masterclass, the best way that we can connect with you and whatever goodies you have for us. And then we'll say goodbye. Thank you, John. Oh, well, my advice is to put yourself out there, place yourself in the path of opportunity, whether you're familiar with it or not. Don't worry about being uncomfortable and learn new things. In terms of contacting me, uh, we have built a, uh, we have the free course. You can go to nextlevellicensing.com slash fire, where we offer a three video series plus my top 10 tips in getting started in licensing. And uh, we have a Facebook group, uh, which you can join and uh, network with other licensing professionals. Fire Nation, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. You've been hanging out with a couple military boys today, so keep up the heat and head over to eofire.com. Type Paul in the search bar. His show notes page will pop up with everything that we've been talking about today. These are the best show notes in the biz, timestamps, links galore. Of course, head directly to nextlevellicensing.com slash fire and you can start going on that great content anytime you want. And any other calls to action, Paul, in that area? No, that's it, John. Cool. Well, listen, brother, thank you for sharing your journey with Fire Nation today. And for that, we salute you and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you. Hey, Fire Nation, hope you enjoyed our chat with Paul today. And are you ready to discover your big idea in just three hours? Just three hours. I've created an amazing system that will get you to your big idea in just three hours. And then the sky is the limit. And the best part is this $1,000. No, just kidding. It's free. It is completely free. So visit yourbigidea.io, yourbigidea.io, and I will catch you there or I'll catch you on the flip side. Wish you could automate payroll tax payments, filings, and forms? Gusso can do that. Gusso will file and pay your payroll taxes, compile and send your W-2s and 1099s, and submit new hire forms for you. Sign up today and get started with one month of free payroll. Just visit gusto.com slash fire. That's gusto.com slash fire.